Gentlemen, to this fine radio program, podcast, and video extravaganza known internationally Hi, Mom. as the world famous Smoking and Toasting. Welcome in, my friends. It is show number 284. That is so close to halfway point. Yeah, uh, halfway to 300. Yeah, yes. it's absolutely, <laughs> uh, absolutely mind blowing. We've been doing the show now for 284 episodes, actually, 283 plus the one lost, the episode, lost episode, which we refer to every once in a while. Uh, someday we will find that and post it. Also like known the, as the angry episode. Yeah, but I think, I think that it, it is quite possible that our, you know, two producers ago, Bobby, I think he may have destroyed it. Yeah. I think, you know, because as you're finding out, like with the January 6th commission, they're, they're unearthing all these emails and, and conversations and stuff. And you're like, why didn't people destroy that stuff if it was, you know, incriminating? You always wonder about that, right? <laughs> why, why is that stuff still on your phone, for God's sake? Right. Uh, you know, didn't Tom Brady teach you anything? Smash your phone. <laughs> all right. Anyway, uh, but, but I digress, and it's way too early to digress. Check, check. We are very excited about today's show because... Our special guest is our smoking and toasting wine expert, Mr. Mark Burrell. Welcome back to so the show, awesome. Mark. Uh, we uh, we had uh, kind of slotted Mark a couple of different times, and I think things got crazy at the restaurant. Things got crazy, and uh, so we are thrilled to have you now. So, what I'm happy to be back. what does it mean actually when things get get crazy at the restaurant? Because you guys always seem to be doing we put a, a lot key of business. In the door and unlock it. Oh, okay. <laughs> It's, that, that, that restaurant it's, is a busy place. But, well, it is. It's busy crazy. all the time. Yeah. That's why. I'm, what What makes it extra crazy? When you know the funny thing is, is after, and I think I may have mentioned this the last time I was here. And we're here. talking about the Rainbow Lodge, by the way. Yes. If you're in Houston, uh, just in case anyone has not uh, seen our shows with Mark before, uh, Mark is the uh, wine expert there, as well as you know us kind of adopting him as our wine expert. So, I'm okay with it. Uh, There's enough but, of me to go around. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah what been, happens when it gets been, extra crazy? Once we you know, because we live in Texas, we were only closed for two months, you know, during COVID. Right. Um, and when, once we reopened, um, even at half capacity, things just went bonkers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they haven't stopped. And that's been what? It's just been nuts. Then. Yeah. A year and a half now. Then, yeah. Your uh, restaurant has uh, a very... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very loyal clientele. Yeah, you see a lot of the same people. A lot of repeat so, customers. So yeah. we've been. Uh, we'll celebrate 45 years this year. 45 years. Do you know how yeah. few restaurants yep. make it to 10 years? <laughs> Never mind five 45. years. 45. Yeah, and yeah. then um, uh, 15 years in our current location, and mm-hmm. and we have uh, like some of the most loyal and awesome um, guests that that do keep showing up, and. Once we moved into the log cabin over on Ella uh, 15 years ago, uh, we got embraced by the neighborhood, the Garden Oaks and right, Lazy right. Broken. So, they have really, really embraced us over so there. Cool. And, and, uh, and uh, it, it's, it's, it's great being there. It's great being at the lodge. And, and our, you're right. Our guests are 
are really amazing. I, you know, when you when you guys were over off of Memorial, that's when I uh, that's the first time I ever mm-hmm. went to the Rainbow Lodge. When it was mm-hmm. at the old location. Uh, I don't know how many locations you guys have had, but I remember that one, and it was beautiful. And I thought when they moved, and I looked at it on the map where you guys moved. I thought, right when you look on the map, you went, "Is that?" I was like, "How are, are they really? gonna like that place out there was beautiful? How are you guys even going to?" And you did it, like that whole it, yeah. backyard area. It's like you it's walk out gorgeous. there, you're in the middle of a city, and it just you don't feel like it. you just you're transformed in this beautiful place where you can walk Without around. Without question, and, yeah. Without uh, question. After dinner, and there's that kind a, of, it's amazing. There's a it's, it's a really nice place. There's a proposal out there almost almost daily. Um, we get uh, we had a big wedding out there on um, on Saturday, and it was it's it's a really nice place. To it be. really is kind yeah. of like an urban oasis. It's like picturesque. It's just, well, and the, the interesting thing is, and I don't want to take up too much of your time, but the interesting thing is, is that um, it, 120 years ago, when this when the log cabin was built, it was built as a home, and mm-hmm. it was in the middle of nowhere. Houston, <laughs> right. right? You know, and now as the crow flies, you can probably see downtown if right. you know from the building if you were sitting on top of the building, mm-hmm. um, because it's so close to the center of the city. Um, but you don't feel like it back there. It's on an no. acre of land. It's a really yeah. special place. In fact, we've got to get back out there and do uh, do a show on on location yes. again because it's just yeah. such a fun place to to sit out in the back and smoke and uh, and and drink and talk about all. You, the yeah, on that stuff back patio, you will forget you're in the middle of Houston. You really do, That's and right. it's and it's awesome. So anyway, welcome in, Mark Burrell. We're going to talk Thank wines you. for the summer and wines for right now. And uh, we do want to say a big uh, thanks, by the way, to last week's uh, special guest, Ryan Savoie. Was the executive chef at St. Arnold Brewing Company, and he came in and talked uh, food and beer pairings with us, and that was a lot of fun. So thank you, uh, uh, Ryan, for being on the show. Uh, today we're going to talk wine, of course. Mark has brought uh, three very interesting selections, and I see uh, one is a polyfume. So, uh, Close enough. Uh, how bad did I do? Yeah. Pretty bad. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good. Well, you can, you can help me then. <laughs> we'll get there. You can help me. That's easy All for right. you to say, yeah. buddy. <laughs> I said that like a Texan. Um, in any case, we will uh, we will be uh, enjoying some tastings here, and we'll also do another tasting, which is something I brought along that is sitting on top of Mister Twirly Gig, and it is a rum. It's an Appleton Estate Black River Casks. 25-year Jamaican rum. This makes me very happy. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it, let's hope it makes everybody happy. <laughs> well, you notice, you notice when, whenever Cruz brings in a, a spirit, he always goes that extra mile because there's no, there's no plastic sealing this. So, so there's no way for no me to, like, like when paper, I go to open it, cut, I'm not going to get a plastic little plastic cut, cut or anything. Yeah. And he's also cleared the neck of the bottle to make sure that there's less spillage. It's very thoughtful. Well, I, yes. You know, I, I mean, to, this is, this is, you know. I try to do, you know, I try to do for others. This isn't the 80s before safety was invented this that's is right. like this is 2022 that's right that's right in the 80s people went around on rollerblades and stuff there was no thought for safety i think that was the 90s but yeah, yeah maybe, uh, no. i think i think i remember some rollerblading in the 80s too so anyway and so mark's brought in the wine we get we have some rum it's going to be fantastic and now ian i've had a very uh, busy week i have relatives coming in from out of town and uh things are a little bit crazy but you were able to go out and visit with a couple of our old friends of the show Joe, weren't you? I was. So uh, one of my buddies sent me an email, and he goes, "Hey, do you want to go to this?" And uh, and I looked at the email, and it was it was uh, Justo Arroyo in town, 
And he was at uh, Lone Star Cigars, so mm-hmm. up on uh, 249 towards Tomball. Uh, they call it Vintage Park out there. Justo is the, the guy Justo's that basically the welcomed us into his yes, home yes. Uh, in Honduras. Yes, and uh, and we had so much fun. I went out there. He was surprised to see me, and and uh, we had a good old time. We caught up, uh, smoked cigars. He got a couple new things coming out. It's uh, it's a, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and he also reminded me that we, that was that was their first uh, when we went out there. That was their first group that they ever the had. The first time they'd there. hosted a group, really. Well, I, you know, I think I knew that perfectly, but I forgot about that. The but hospitality yeah, was yeah, just was, great. Yeah. I, and I told him, I said, you know, it's hard to even think about that but part of it because you guys ran it so well, yeah. so smoothly. I think Adam is still there. Yeah, <laughs> fact, uh, I'm pretty sure he's hanging out riding horses and, and uh, oh, and Adam had cigars. such a, such a fun he, time. He really did. But anyway, yeah. So I got to I got to hang out with him and uh, uh, just for a bit. And uh, and he said he's going to be in town till uh, till at least you know Friday all the way through Friday and mm-hmm. I was like well where else are you going to be so he said he told me he's going to be out at Smoke Ring on Friday so okay. I went out to cool. Smoke Ring um, out there in Webster and those guys are always super nice and I took yes. a, I took a short video just to say hi and and pop it up on the show so, so yeah so let's take a look right now hey thank you um, here in uh, Houston Texas at the Smoke Ring this is awesome thank you for. Wait to see you again, Ian. <laughs> well, it's fun to come by here. I don't know if I can fit in this picture. I'll get him in here. There you go. There you go. What's up, y'all? We're here with we're here with Tyler. And Husto. I heard Husto was in town. I was going to be in this shop, but we got Tyler in the shop. So Tyler works here at the smoke ring, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, I came up here last night when uh, when uh, Husto wasn't here because I got the wrong information, but I got to see him it twice. Was all my fault. Right? I just wanted to see Ian more. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> Husto, how have you been, man? How's it been? Well, you know what? It's been a while. Last time, I mean, you actually went down to Honduras in our first trip. That was yep. so much fun. And like, it was a blast. I really enjoyed you having you there. And uh, since that first time you went down there, we have expanded our line incredibly. You I know. know. Hey, how are you? How are you? So uh, it's, it's it's been it's been great. Now we you know since when you first came down, we only had the Corojo. Then we came out with the Maduro. We have yeah. the American. Now we have the uh, vintage. We have I also don't. our Cameroon. We also grow ourselves. I haven't so, tried the Cameroon. I'm, I'm looking forward to picking yeah, up one of those that pretty be quick. Able to get really quick. So, ah, uh, look at that. Yeah, you bring that right up here. Mm-hmm. We actually there grow our go. Cameroon ourselves, and there so far is. is one of the most successful uh, wrappers that we have right now in our line. Awesome. So we're very happy with, with the performance and. Actually, there's a great consumer feedback. That's going to be my next one. I'm having this vintage selection right now, which is fantastic. If you like something earthy and nutty with a little bit of toast kind of flavors going on there. And it's really good. Mm-hmm. And it's really good. That's yeah, really well, good. I'm glad you like them. That's very important. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that what you're smoking today? And I'm actually smoking the Tadiscan. You know, oh, the Tadiscan. Like yeah, yeah. The cigar of the day, so I'm doing the milder <laughs> stuff. You know I'm a mild guy. Fantastic! Yeah, I took a I took a, a, a shot of all the different cigars you had up here. But this looks so good. The setup is so nice. We'll back this camera up a little bit just to show a little more of it. Yeah, you got it set up real pretty up here. Awesome. So, what you got going on in the near future here? Well, going back uh, to Miami tomorrow at five in the morning. That's pretty early. Hopefully, I'll be able to have some time off this week. I've been on the road for a while, so it's. It's, it's good to be back home and get your own bed. Get my like own that's, bed. That's like the big payoff at the end of it, right? And the great thing <laughs> is, once I get home, 
You know, my daughters, my wife appreciate me more because I'm not. Right, right. You're not, you're not under the feet all the time. <laughs> not under the feet, and I get beat up all the time. So. I'm so glad to see you here in Houston. I'm so glad I caught wind of it. And uh, I actually uh, came out with a buddy the other night when you were at um, at uh, Lone Star Cigar, and we got to visit and chat and catch up a little bit. That was a lot of fun. I guess I didn't realize that when we came down to Honduras that time, that that was the very first time. You guys had it set up so incredibly nice that it felt like everyone knew exactly what was going on all the time. It was so much fun. It, is, it was a lot of fun. And actually, the first group down there, you guys were the pioneers of the Aladdin adventure. That was, that was, we covered that with so much film. I've got so much of that on my uh, hard drive at home. We had so much fun and spread it out over a bunch of different um, shows. So that was a lot of fun. Also made some good friends. You'll see Daniel over at Cigar Town pretty often and, and stuff like that. So, uh, when, do you, when do you think you'll be coming back three times? I think hopefully uh, I'll probably do sometime after the trade show, maybe September. Oh, fantastic. Trade show's going to be uh, uh, July, right? Yes. Uh, I think right? it's the second week of July. Yeah, yeah. And then also, I think. Hopefully by December. I'll, I'll try to close the year here in Houston. Good. Houston you, is a great town. Too. You can give us a call. Let us know you're back in town. We're coming to the Absolutely. Man, so Thank good you to so see much. you, man. Okay. Thank awesome. You. Okay, that's awesome. That Thank you, sir. Fantastic. That was fantastic. Cool. You know, it was just one of those silly little things. Uh, and, and I just figured... We'd, we'd toss it up there and say hi yeah, i got a couple pictures from it as well so. very good I'm, I'm glad you i'm glad you did that and of course husto is just uh you know he's just a joy man and, he's and, absolutely and absolutely blessed. nothing at all wrong with tom polar either i mean no he, he's he, a blast he, i didn't get a chance to put him on the video but i got a couple pictures with him and uh and we did have uh tyler from uh the smoke ring on the video he's a blast if you haven't gone by and witnessed his dry sense of humor it's it's <laughs> definitely worth it <laughs> his sense of humor is so dry they don't allow him to stay in the humidor very long right. <laughs> dry right. things out too much uh well uh, that's really good so I'm wondering if you picked up something interesting to smoke while you were out there. Well, not while I was out there, but uh, earlier in the week, I did stop and do my cigar review because now, uh, now since we're recording on a different day, to me, it's uh, I've, I've got to rearrange my week. Yeah, it's a new, it's a new, <laughs> it's, uh, a new rhythm. You it's it's get a little into. weird to me at the moment, but I did. I stopped and picked up a uh, Romeo Julieta. AJ Fernandez. Oh, baby. That's a good cigar. Mm. This is the uh, Nicaragua. The 7x50 Churchill is the one I chose. Mm-hmm. Because I just wanted a little more cigar, and I had some mm -hmm. time. This is a Nicaraguan Puro uh, with a Habano, uh, uh, Nicaraguan Hab Habano wrapper on it. The appearance on this had two bands, the um, Romeo y Julieta band plus the AJ band right underneath it. Uh, Romeo y Julieta with AJ underneath it, and then the secondary band that said Nicaragua for the series. Right. Uh, and a cedar wrap that covers like at least half of the cigar. Mm -hmm. uh, rich, once you pull that off, rich, shiny, oily, toothy, smooth wrapper, firm overall feel. Uh, the pre light sniff on this rich earth, tea leaves, spicy coffee, slight uh, chocolate, and the, like an underlying sweetness. Nice. The pre-light draw on this, I used a clip, effortless draw, earthy barnyard notes, raisin sweetness, and uh, leather is what I got right off of it. The initial light. This is a Nicaraguan Puro. There, of course, was a Nicaraguan oh, Pepper Of course blast. there was. And I'm hoping that you're, at least in your brain right now, you're hearing Song the Nicaraguan pending. Pepper Blast song that you're supposed <laughs> to be writing. Song pending. Yeah, yeah. I'll have one by 300. Just, think of it as a jingle, you know, just a, a Nicaraguan Pepper <laughs> I'm Blast halfway, jingle. I'm halfway to the jingle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, 
So uh, the Nicaraguan pepper blast, absurd amounts of smoke came out of this thing right off the bat. Chicory, coffee, cedar, leather, touch of sweet chocolate, retrohales, peppery, and cedar. The first third of this pepper and rich earth of the canvas that supports uh, hues of chocolate, raisin, tangy leather, and a distinctive nuttiness with an underlying sweetness in the background. Ooh, that was a lot to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was almost a run-on sentence. Aftertaste is sweet tea, leather, and raisin. Retrohales, peppery, and cedar, flaky ash, perfect burn. Mm. Uh, the second third is billows of rich, dense smoke encourages smoke rings. <laughs> um, medium to full strength, spicy pepper notes remain constant. Cedar and nutty flavors develop a sweet character to them. The chocolate and raisin reminds me of an oatmeal cookie. Aftertaste takes on a salty tang. Retrohale is peppery and sweet cedar. Flaky ash, perfect burn. Mm. The uh, last third of the cigar, fountains of smoke provide a copious amount of flavors and entertainment in the form of crafting smoke rings. Pepper is a constant companion, along with nutty and leathery and cedar notes. That was definitely a run-on sentence. Uh, <laughs> sweet tea and raisin swirls. <laughs> raisin swirl around with chocolate spices. Um, chocolate and spices. Uh, sweet, salty aftertaste with a touch of chicory coffee. Retro Hill is sweet cedar and pepper. Flaky ash. Perfect burn. Nice. This cigar was in the neighborhood of $10. Mm-hmm. I give it a solid five. You're getting what you pay for. Yeah. Uh, AJ does it again. Romeo Julieta makes great cigars to begin with, and those together make a great yeah, cigar. Yeah, it is a great 100% worth it. That great five... It means you get exactly what you're paying for. for and that, for a ten dollars cigar, $10 that's, plus, that's a yeah. very good review. It's a very Absolutely. good review. Uh, I had the uh, a, a cigar with a name <clears throat> longer than the cigar itself. It was a robusto cigar, but it was the PDA, the PDR A Flores. 1975 Siri Privada Capa Habano SP52 Robusto. Wow. Now that's I hope a they long name. charging by the letters. <laughs> that's a long name. In fact, they, it's hard to get the whole thing on the cigar because it's just a Robusto. Uh, but the name works. The 1975 is for the year that Abraham Flores, the A Flores in the name, uh, the master blender who was behind this line, was born. He was born in 1975. And Capa Habano uh, describes the Cuban seed tobacco that was used in the wrapper for this cigar. The wrapper leaf is medium brown. The cigar is that kind of soft box press that looks so gorgeous in the box. Mm. You know, it's just everything just looks like it's lined up so perfect. Uh, the pre-light sniff on this was a wonderful mix of nuttiness and toast. And the pre-light draw showed off hints of, of vintage tobacco. It really had that aged tobacco kind of a smell to it. Wrapper uh, on the 1975 is Ecuadorian Habano. Uh, the binder is from Nicaragua. And the filler tobacco is from Nicaragua and the Dominican Republic. I used a punch and I lit it with a torch. And I was off to the races on the 1975. Now, I didn't get the Nicaraguan pepper blast from the first puff. So I'm guessing that the Dominican Corojo tobacco in the filler mix uh, maybe muted the Nicaraguan tobacco's uh, initial strength somewhat. Either way, the 1975 was quite complex from the very beginning, and it was one of those smokes that I enjoyed from the first puff without having to wait to get, you know, a half an inch in before it right. kind of reached its its uh, its mix. Um, didn't have to wait for it to settle down, um, and it was awesome. Uh, there was a little portion 
of the wrapper leaf that was missing from the cigar. Just for whatever reason, it's kind of a hole in the wrapper leaf on this particular cigar that I actually didn't even notice until I had uh, had lit it up. Um, so that was kind of interesting. Uh, I began to it began to crack and widen as the cigar heated up. Oh, uh, and uh, you know it's something. I suspect it's it's just like a unique issue with this particular cigar. Right, just I don't a think flaw it's, in a right, single yeah, cigar. Just this particular one. Uh, uh, but flavor-wise, I got a nice Cuban cigar vibe from the 1975. Uh, it seems as if Mr. Flores has a pretty good idea what he's doing. There was nice creaminess with hints of vanilla and cocoa that came through once the cigar started to warm up. And then uh, once the burn line reached that critical area where there was a hole in the tobacco leaf, uh, the 1975 actually handled it pretty well. It did leave a few stragglers that I had to, you know, to touch up. But considering what it looked like when I first lit the cigar to kind of crack, uh, I was really pretty pleased with how it smoked overall. Um, I, have a, I had a feeling that the ash... Uh, would have held on for quite a while, even with the small a split, but I tapped it off just to be safe. Uh, this also helped me kind of even out the burn again once I touched the cigar up. Uh, by the second third, the primary note was one that I'm struggling a little bit to describe. I finally have decided to just call it mature aged tobacco. I don't know how else to describe it. It was very, very good, but I, I had trouble assigning a flavor to it other than just a very you know, rich, mature-aged tobacco. So we, we spend a lot of time trying to describe the flavors of tobacco, but mm -hmm. there is just a tobacco flavor, and that's right, okay. Right. And there were all kinds of notes coming in and out of this complex mix of flavors. I got coffee and maybe even an espresso vibe. I got toast and toasted nuts, and I even got a hint of uh, dried fruit, like a raisin or a date on the palate. Uh, but one of the most interesting things about uh, – uh, smoking this uh, this cigar, the uh, the PDR A Flores 1975 uh, Siri Pravada Capa Habano SB52 is how it sort of alternated between um, uh, giving me spice and then giving me a creamy sweetness, kind of back and forth throughout most of the cigar. It was a really nice and, and different kind of enjoyable cigar experience. Final third, zeroed in on the toasted flavors, toasted nuts, toasted bread, and toasted tobacco, if that's a thing. Uh, the 1975 really reminded me of a Cuban cigar. It really did. Uh, so if you're worried about $100 Cohibas uh, sapping your cigar budget, this might be a very nice alternative to get some of the same kinds of flavors mm -hmm. and some of the same kinds of vibe. As far as the strength goes, I'd peg it as a solid medium. It is a 9 to $10 cigar. Cigar. Not terribly high for a Robusto, but not cheap. Uh, and it smoked slow enough that I did feel like I got my money's worth. Um, I really enjoyed this cigar, even with the, um, uh, you know, the little uh, problem with the tobacco leaf. I'd still recommend this and I would smoke it again. Thumbs up and price to quality, a very solid five. Nice. Uh, it was a very enjoyable cigar. And it was the first time I'd had one of those. So a couple of fives today. Yeah, Interesting. A couple of fives, so not bad. All right. We want to take a break and uh, we want to uh, hurry up and come back for the next segment because that's when we start drinking wine and uh, i'm very excited about it. mark burrell is here we're going to talk wine for the summer and talk um how to correctly pronounce the wine name that i butchered earlier uh, in the show we'll be right back it's smoking and toasting Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. This program is all about craft beer, 
fine spirits, hand-rolled cigars, and in the case of today, fine wine, because uh, Mark Burrell, our wine expert, is uh, with us. And, you know, uh, Ian and I know a little bit about cigars. We know a little bit about spirits. We know a little bit about craft beer. But we don't dare go into the wine world I unless you're here. I know the littlest bit <laughs> you know, about wine. Uh, it's, why I'm so here. it's why it's why we love uh, I know, love having you on the I program. I know generally so. don't buy it in a box. Right, right. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty good. Now used it's getting to, better. Used to <laughs> you would say the same same thing about screw off tops. But that's that's not a thing anymore, is it? That's right. Um, I mean, there are some bad bad wines with screw off tops, but so it doesn't necessarily mean the the owner of the lodge, her, one of her best friends, had her birthday at um, on Saturday night at the lodge, and asked for something special for me. She loves white Burgundy Chardonnay from from uh, the northern part of Burgundy specifically, mm-hmm. and I found one that I thought that she would love. It's the last case in the city. It was a and it came in with a screw top, and I thought to myself, "Geez, am I going to offer this woman a, <laughs> a screw cap?" Because <laughs> it's not a cheap bottle of wine either. Right. But um, there have been lots of studies. Uh, in fact, one particular producer in Oregon, um, uh, by the name of Shahalem, did some studies, and they made all of their wines for like 15 years in both under cork and under screw cap, and they found that the screw cap was a better closure for. For them, hmm. it, la- it there was less loss. There was less oxidation. Yeah, they don't breathe as much. Yeah, and, and you that, take away the whole cork taint right. issue altogether. Did that have to do with the type of wine that they were producing, or uh, or is it a fairly universal well? The interesting thing, thing is that they're in Oregon, and we'll talk about this with one of the wines that I brought in Oregon. They produce a lot of. Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, the same two varietals that are produced in Burgundy, which is very mm-hmm. and now it's very expensive. It's a very high end thing, um, and you would be hard pressed to find a lot of Burgundy producers who would even consider putting their wines under screw cap. So it it doesn't have anything to do with the varietal itself. It has a lot to do with the mentality of the winemaker and, and just what they feel yeah, like is the best. They feel now, the best for and their wines. Ninety five percent of um, all Australian wines come. No matter how much they cost, come under screw cap. Now, I've had some older bottles of wine, things that I've had for a while, that have really struggled getting the cork out uh, mm-hmm. appropriately on. Now, admittedly, I'm not the best in the world at that. Although I do have, I do have a fantastic uh, wine bottle uh, opener. It's one of those that you put here and you use the the handle and it pulls it out very smoothly mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. takes out. So it generally works really, really well. But some of the older bottles can be very fussy with that cork. That's and right. uh, and so I does it does screw cap versus cork does that change at all if the wine is aged for a very long time? In other words, if it's if it's an older wine, do you kind of want it to so have a cork? So there's something to be said about the actual oxygen exchange that happens under cork. Because mm-hmm. it is. It's minute, but it, it's there. Um, and there's something to be said about um, how that ages. And it does age it differently. But if you want the wine to remain as fresh tasting, and not, not as opposed to um, sour or... Uh, uh, have turned right but to remain as fresh tasting as possible um then you put it under screw cap now um there's a lot a lot of wine out there that um uh, benefits from the cork mm-hmm. and that the aging that it that it does make makes it a finer wine a more um uh, approachable more uh uh people want it more you know right right um and and they and they pay for that right 
Makes uh, sense. A, a screw cap is actually a little bit more expensive than cork is because cork is a renewable product. You can they, they can make it all day long in Portugal. Right, right, right. I know even like at, at Specs for years, I think they still do this. They were collecting the corks and getting them <laughs> and recycling them, which is kind of cool. Well, and and it's unfortunate that your listeners can't see this, but you guys can actually see the difference in these these two corks right, here. Right. And this is a, a a plug from the bark of a tree, and this is an amalgamation of a bunch of them. And, ah. and what's your feeling on the synthetic corks? Do you like them? Are they good or are they bad? Um, I, there's the, the people, winemakers think that a synthetic cork doesn't breathe as much and it expands um, a little bit more and it seals the, the bottle. Almost too well. A little bit better. To me, they're harder to get off, they're, um, to get out rather. There's, um, they, they really play hell on your, your, your wine key or mm -hmm. if you have a, a gadget that we like that it's called a Coravin, which actually puts a needle through the cork um, to extract a bit of, of the wine out bef before you even open it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it's hard to because they don't; it doesn't close back up again. Right. right. So, um, I, I, more often than not, that synthetic cork is in a bottle that's just not quite as expensive. They save some money that way. Okay. Okay. So let me ask you one more cork question. Mm -hmm. um, whenever I open a bottle of sparkling wine. For whatever reason, maybe you can explain why. Uh, unlike the corks from a uh, you know bottle of red or a bottle of white, if you if you open the cork from a sparkling wine, that baby is nice and expanded and <laughs> oh, fat yeah, around time. the bottom. There's no way you're getting this back in the bottle. That's right. And so I use a, uh, a, a I, I call it a wine stopper. I don't know if that's mm -hmm. the correct term, but I use that whenever I open a bottle of sparkling wine uh, and, you know, put it back in the refrigerator before we, you know, are able to finish it off. But uh, but why, why do these corks expand so much more than these do? So if you were to see this cork, this, mm -hmm. um, this sparkling wine cork before it's been put in the bottle, mm -hmm. it's quite large um, and squared off like a lot of the other squared off on, the, on yeah. the end yeah um and so the reason that they do that they they compress it and stuff it into that tiny little neck um to preserve its pr pr the pressure in the bottle most bottles of sparkling champagne specifically and and method champenois um uh the the style in which that this these wines are produced um contain in the range of 90 PSI. Okay. That's three times more than your tire does. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, and so in order to not only keep the, the bubbles in the bottle and the wine in the bottle, you got to make sure that it is sealed. It's going to be sealed tight. Yeah. And so that's why that's here. But okay. I do have a solution for you. Okay. Finish the damn bottle. I don't even want I don't even want it sitting open like, in the refrigerator. Over wine? <laughs> uh, no, I'm not talking about leftover for tomorrow. I'm just talking about you know, over the course of the next, you know, hour or however long it is until we polish the bottle off. So uh, I, because I, I don't save sparkling wine for tomorrow. Okay. Then, then I'm there with you, but I think you'll be fine. Okay. So this bottle, the, our first wine, has been open now for a good half hour. Mm hmm. Um, and when you take a sip of it, you'll realize that it's still pretty fizzy in your glass. And I'm about to do that because this seems like a, a good time to move right into this. What are we? <laughs> what are we doing? Segue segues, into <laughs> tasting wine. I love that already. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so tell me what we're drinking here. So this is from Shams. <clears throat> excuse me, Shamsburg. Oh, I love the nose on oh, this. Oh, it's delightful. Isn't that fun? Uh -huh. uh, despite its name, um, this is domestic. This is the oldest 
um, sparkling producer in this country. See, when you said Shramsburg, I immediately thought, you know, Philadelphia or New Jersey. I didn't think yeah, about yeah. another country. That sure. just sounds like a Shramsburg, New Jersey. Or Central Texas. Yeah. Well, <laughs> true. True. Yeah. So this is um, Northern Napa is where this comes from. Mm -hmm. um, and it is, I'll say this word again, Méthode Champenoise or Méthode Traditionnelle. Which means that they are taking the varietals um, and the method by which champagne is made in northern France mm -hmm. and making it it's, elsewhere. The grapey note in this is so fruity and delicious. And there's almost like a honey note to the finish. So I just wanted to say this is it, – it's got a distinct sweetness to it. And normally – if a sparkling wine is leaning towards being more sweet, like a cheaper Prosecco, for example, I don't usually care for it. But there's something about this but sweetness, the sweetness that, that you're getting is not perfectly. It's not sweet. It's fruit. Right. Which can right. be misconstrued as sweet. Right. It's got almost a, a, a sweetness and a tartness. To so it at it's the same not time. as sweet as your as your taste buds actually think it is. That's right. Is what you're saying. And the fact that there's a little extra something going on, there's uh, it's carbonated. There's mm -hmm, some fizziness mm -hmm. to it. That it, it kind of confuses it. your palate. This is absolutely delicious. Isn't this fun? Yeah. So this is the Blanc de Noir. Um, and you'll see this on bottles that sometimes you'll see Blanc de Blanc or Blanc de Noir. Mm -hmm. And what it means is white wine made with dark grapes. Or okay. if it were So the Noir means dark grapes. Dark grapes, right. Okay. So Blanc de Blanc is much more common. You'll see white wine made with white grapes. Mm -hmm. um, and within the Method Traditionnelle or Method Champenoise, um, uh, way that you that this is created, it's made like it does in Champagne. And in Champagne, there's three major grapes that make those wines. Two of them are dark. One is white. It's Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Pinot Meunier. This is made with 100% Pinot Noir mm. um, from Northern California. Um, now, Schramsberg makes a Blanc de Blanc, and it's quite lovely as well. This just happens to be the one that we're selling at the Rainbow Lodge. Um, and in not a very expensive bottle in the mid seventies, I'd say mm -hmm. for this bottle, it's a great celebration wine. In mm -hmm. fact, it has been at all but one presidential inauguration since the, the winery has started. Wow. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. That's, that's pretty There's cool a thing to Beautiful, claim. almost spicy kind of aftertaste to yeah. it as well. That lingers. It's, it's, it's and not uh, spicy in a, in a heat spicy, but spicy in like a cookie or a, a mm -hmm. sweet mm -hmm. baking spices. Yeah. Baking spice kind of spices. Yeah. yeah. Um, let me, um, let me just ask a question that's going to show my wine ignorance here. But um, so it's it's a dark, they use a dark grape. They use a Pinot Noir grape yep. uh, to make this. And yet it comes out with such a bright straw color. Why is that? So no matter the color of the grape, of mm -hmm. the skin of the grape, skin of the grape, right? the juice is often clear. OK, so what happens is when you squish that grape. Mm hmm. Um, the juice runs clear and they can take that free run juice and use that. Now, if they were going to let this wine or this juice sit on the skins for a little longer, that's going to darken then it. You get something so, a little darker. So I've got the glass of Pinot Noir we're going to have later. That's why this is darker that's because exactly the juice sat on the skins longer. And if it only sat for a short amount of time, then you'd get rosé. Now, there's several oh, different ways okay. to make right. rosé. Sure, sure. You can but you get let that it sit more... for a short amount, an hour maybe. Yeah, and then that the... in between color. Mm -hmm. uh, that makes, okay. It's, 
something I did not know. It's probably like so, the most basic one. Okay, thing so you, ever, you just mentioned an hour maybe and you get that. What if you let if you let your juice sit on the uh, skin? What's like to get something like this? How long is that? Is that hours? So or this is, that is this is not very long. Pinot, because Pinot is known for, okay, so the Pinot Noir grape is a thin-skinned, dark grape mm. with a clear mm -hmm. or a, 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 a white flesh, right? Um, and if you let those the the juice sit on the skins for a little bit, enough to let it color, well, then you get a lighter-bodied wine. Now, if you think about some wine that you have that's big and rich and, and heavy and it mm -hmm. has tannins, Actually, that's a fun little thing to say. Everybody, you're in the grocery store. Go with me here. You're in the grocery store. And you pick up a great. Oh, just hold a, on. I got one of those bad carts. I got to go take it back. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll wait. Right. The wobbly wheel. <laughs> I hate those. You just go pick a table grape off of the out of the produce section. You pop it in your mouth because everybody tastes a grape, right? Right, right. The first thing that happens, you bite down and the, you, it bursts. You burst. You break right. the yeah. skin. Mm -hmm. And you get this. This just uh, a juicy burst in your mouth, right? Then as you chew a little bit more, you can actually taste the flesh of the grape. Right. And it's lively and it, it kind of – it has a toothsome um, mm -hmm. feel to it. But as you keep chewing, what's – the only thing that's left in your mouth is the skin. And what happens? Your mouth turns dry and it gets mm -hmm. a little bitter but in a pleasant way. Mm -hmm. um, and that bitterness, that dryness that you get – is tannins. Right. You get the same thing from walnuts and pecans. Right. It's the skin of that. It's this exact same stuff. So if you were to let though that juice sit on this on the skins for a much longer, then <clears> you're <throat> gonna get a bigger, heavier, darker, richer, redder wine. Mm. Um, there are winemakers um, um, where they're making things like Cabernet or Shiraz or where they just let the they just let the, the grapes crush under their own weight. And they just let mm. it sit there. And sometimes it's fermented with the skins. With the skins it's, still in it. Yeah. 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 Or or even at some sometimes the the stems, the the things that interesting. Yeah. And and all this adds to the complexity and the yep. uh, uh, the texture and the flavor. There's so many variables when it comes to so making. interesting. Yeah. Yes. And well, I I love Pinot Noir, and and I really really love this. And I'm wondering, is it because it's made with Pinot Noir grapes? Is that why I'm so drawn? To this because it is a different taste mm -hmm. than most of the sparkling wine that I usually it is it get because I do the dry brutes and yeah. and and things that are um, you know the brut cava and things like that that are uh, that are not as sweet but this is really good and very different for me yeah yeah like and it. I and I brought that I was debating on whether to bring a couple of other different wines and I brought that Pinot specifically. Um, to show the difference between the Pinot that's made from the sparkling and the Pinot, and the Pinot that's, made. that's made in the more traditional red mm -hmm. wine way. Well, fan fantastic. This is absolutely wonderful. And I, I can't say enough good things about it. It's just uh, it's just uh, wonderful and lovely. And you said this is probably like a $70 bottle or At something? At the Lodge, you'll find At this the in the mid-70s. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that's... Uh, you know that's that's something you can, you can definitely do for you. for me absolutely it's something you could definitely do if you're having a celebration and you know uh deciding to deciding to go for something really really good i i can't recommend it highly enough i think it's fantastic and a good choice you see you always push us a little bit which i appreciate you know you could go with something that's maybe a little more you know standard or expected but i love that you always 
Yeah, he always kind of, kind of throws a curveball. I like that. Yeah, well. well, maybe you don't consider that a curveball. I don't know. I, yeah, I, this is delicious. I, I do. I think it's. I think it's wonderful. Um, um, there would be no, absolutely no complaints if we if we ordered this with a with a nice mm-hmm. dinner. Um, talk to me a little bit uh, about the quote unquote rules for uh, what you're eating with your wine or, or what wine you drink with different foods you eat. The the sort of traditionally understood things is that the lighter wines, the the white wines are for uh, fish and maybe for chicken. And that if you're going with beef or some of the more exotic uh, game type stuff that you guys have on your menu at the, at the Rainbow Lodge, that you would go with a red, maybe even a heavier red. How much of that is legit and how much of it is just, you know, Drink what you like with what you like. So <laughs> um, I get this question all the time. I bet. And a lot of the of our guests would say, oh, we're going to have this and this, but she's having this and he's having that. So, so you got a real mixed bag at the table, what, right? What yeah. can we have? Um, and I have a couple go-tos that I think are, are great with everything, um, including one that we'll have today. Um, but more than that, Oftentimes I'll come back and I'll say something like, well, if you were at home, what would you be drinking? Well, if at home, we might just open a bottle of Chardonnay or something. I said, great. If that's what you like, I think that's what you should drink. Mm. You know, I'm not here to to push something specific. Right. It's my job to – To make the customer happy with their you, choice. Yeah. To, to, to allow you to enjoy what it is that you're drinking. Mm-hmm. And if that means something new, great. I'm happy to, to show you something fun. But if you'd really rather have that Chardonnay – or that Cabernet, for example, I'm, I'm here for it. No, right, and right. I'd really like for you to, to enjoy what it is that you're drinking. Now, if you wanted to specifically pair something, I'm, yes, of course we can do that. I think that um, the Pinot, especially the Pinot that, that um, I brought from you today, well, more specifically, Pinots from Oregon um, go great with spe- with the everything on the, the menu at Rainbow Lodge. So whether it's everything. chicken, fish, yeah. uh, elk. Um, uh, well, and it's and it's for a couple more. different reasons. Even our lighter dishes might have a butter sauce, um, which gives it a bit more body mm-hmm. or heft. Um, the the snapper might be blackened, mm-hmm. which gives it a bit more, right, which changes the pre- flavor. The flavor it gives it a yeah. darker flavor to it. In other words, if you've got something like that, well, then yeah. People ask me, okay, I'm having fish. Um, get at, somewhere other than the lodge, I'm going to have fish. What should I drink? Great. How is it prepared? Right. Yeah, that's going to make a big yeah. difference. Yeah. It makes a big difference. And, and same thing with chicken. How is it prepared? Yeah. Is it a, what kind of a sauce is it in? Is it is it? Uh, if it's a roast chicken, you, know, you can get away with white wine. Right. If it's barbecue chicken, or if it's got chicken, it's chicken with a sauce, or, or maybe it's been um, uh, heavily seasoned, well, you can certainly go red with that. Right. Oh, good. It, that makes total sense, and it, it still generally can be expected. That the the bigger the flavors in your food, uh, the bigger the wine and and the darker the wine that can can yeah. pair with it. Whereas flavors that are more delicate, you think of you know a snapper or something like that. Like uh, you're probably better off with a white. Well, and you also should consider the the method. Not me- the method by which it's presented or prepared, but the mm-hmm. style in which it's prepared. Right. Yeah. If you're drinking Proven- if you're having Provencal pork, well, then a Provencal style pork. Well, then why not drink something pro- from Provence? 
Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you're if you're having a dish, uh, a paella, for example, mm -hmm. drink something Spanish. Mm. Right, right. And that does make some sense. If it grows together, it goes together. I love it. I love it. Grows together. Well, goes and then together. the and then the other basic rule for it is you don't want either your drink to overrule your food or vice, or vice versa. versa. You, you want, want it, you want it to complement each you other. You want to find something that works together because because if you're having a you know a light baked fish of some sort and a heavy you know big heavy red wine then you're probably missing a lot of the fish flavors yeah absolutely you know and that's that's really what it boils down to is well and and you know i i appreciate you having me here and i'm i love um uh, talking about wine but my portion of what I do at the Rainbow Lodge is not the star of the show. It's what chefs doing in the kitchen. Yeah. That's the reason people walk in the building because they're wanting to have a, a great meal. I'm there to accentuate it, to make it right. better. They're, they're there for a great the culinary experience. Cake, so and speak. you're there to make it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're there to do the icing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I believe that. I believe that. And that's what's, that's what's so wonderful. And, and the more time that you spend investigating these type of things, how food and, and whether it's wines or spirits or beers or whatever, how these things pair, the more time you spend doing that, the more you, quite frankly, appreciate the knowledge of someone like Mark who who yeah. understands it, you know, really, really well. And, you know, this is what you do. Um, I I think about, you know, wine and spirits in the in the context of this show, but I'm not dealing with them every day. And you are. Mm -hmm. And that's what uh, well, I may be dealing with them every day. But what I mean <laughs> by that is slightly different. Uh, but no, but no, this is uh, this is an area where uh, it, it's so great to have your expertise, whether you're sharing with us here on the show or whether we're in the lodge and going, Mark, here's what I ordered uh, for dinner. What kind of wine well, should I, I go I with? I hope you know? that people take advantage of this. Yeah. Well, not just me, but uh, but other people in, in my business, because <clears> a lot of consumers may consider, <clears throat> may think, oh, you're going to get the guy in the jacket to come to the table. He's going to want to sell me something expensive. And right, that, right, nothing right. could be farther from the truth. We just want to make sure that you're having, and it, maybe it's the $30 bottle and maybe you want to spend some money and you're celebrating and you want to do something. This is a, this is a problem in the service industry is if you if you perform a service like I do guitar setups and repairs on guitars and people want to tell you your guitar needs to be set up. The first thing I can see is. Yeah, right. What's wrong with it? Right, because well, I think you're just trying to get some money out of it. There's nothing wrong with it, yeah. but it needs to be adjusted, and you won't know right. the difference until you try it, you know, that kind of mm -hmm. thing. You, like, you immediately get that, oh, they're trying to sell me snake oil. And I think that's a little unfair because your job is not to sell, 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 sell. Your job is to make sure that that customer comes back. It's right. kind of like people a, lose that, yeah. that, that perspective. I, I'm the same way. You know, if I work on your instrument – I'm not doing it so that so that I can just get some money out of you today. I'm doing it so that you know what the next time you buy an instrument, you go, oh, that really did make a difference. Right. If if, if you've done a great job in your job at the Rainbow Lodge, then that means that that person, that couple, that group, they're more likely to come back That's because right. of the experience they had. That's right. And, and if and I if, sell them something less expensive on that first trip, then mm -hmm. they're going to go, wow, for this, Mark did this. We're ready to spend yeah, some money. We're, we're ready. Okay, let's take it. Let's spend a hundred dollars on, yeah. on, on the next model. What what should we well, get? And you and the waitstaff are the face mm -hmm. of that restaurant right. because once you sit down, 
Like you're the only people that you're the only uh, part of the company that people really talk to. They don't get to talk to the chef. They don't get to talk to right. You know, right. unless there's an and, occasion and stuff like that. That makes a big difference. And that, I'll just say this: if I'm coming back and I'm going to spend a hundred dollars on a bottle tonight, that's when I really want your input because I don't mm-hmm. want to spend that hundred dollars blindly. That's you right. Know? If I'm if I'm going to lay out a hundred bucks for a bottle of wine, I want a recommendation yes. so I know I'm headed in a good direction based on what well, we're going to eat and On and behalf whatever. of all of my colleagues in, in the city, we want you to have a good time. We want that, you to have a, it only makes sense, We want you to get right? value for yeah. your and, experience. And, you know, just uh, obviously you're in the service industry, so that's what you're there to provide. But also importantly, you want people to have a good experience at that's your right. restaurant. And you want them to be excited about coming back, which, by the way, I got to come back. It's been too long since <laughs> I've been there. And every time every time we start talking about it, I, my mouth waters thinking about think, that elk. Ian, you were the last that, – that, Yes, came, yes. Yeah. Me and uh, me and my wife came in, yeah. and uh, we asked for you, and you came over, and uh, and uh, recommended a bottle of wine that went fantastic. I believe my wife was having the uh, lamb, and I had. I can't remember, but it was delicious. Did you have that the plate with all the different like the sample? No, all the see, this was this was an exception to that because I usually get that. Yeah, but I was like, I'm not getting that this time. I'm going to branch <laughs> out, and I I got. I I can't remember. I have to look at the menu. I bet I'd remember if I looked at it. But uh, uh, but it was it was fantastic time. The well, wine was fantastic. I get absolutely. Uh, it's not even hungry. I get to where I want to experience these things on my palate. Yeah, every yeah. time we talk about it, and I gotta, I gotta, uh, I gotta make a, a booking. How, are you guys booked up right now? Pretty booked. So <laughs> so a few weeks out though, I could probably find uh, something. Okay, so I think the later in the week it gets, the yeah. more time ahead you need to okay. consider Got that. Got but it. but you know Tuesdays we're we're closed on Mondays, but Tuesdays uh, Wednesdays are typically pretty good. And okay, later in the week's just a little. Yeah, busy. don't last minute on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's good probably not going to work out for you. It's it's tough to do Whataburger <laughs> last minute on a Saturday. Right. I mean, in this town especially. So. Well, and it's unfortunate that we've gotten to that that point because for years and years we weren't and people could just pop by right, right. and it's it's you know we I, as much as we love to have you we need some we need to you know, need some uh, advance notice i got it i got it all right we're gonna take a break and we will be back by the way uh we will be bringing you our uh, most popular segment on the program uh coming up here in just a little bit that segment of course being uh drinking news and today's drinking news teaser headline is urine a lot of trouble. And we'll be right back with uh, that and more. It's Smoking and Toasting, show number 284. Mark Burrell. Mark Burrell is in the house. We'll be back with more wine and a little bit of rum coming up. Back at Smoking and Toasting. This is the uh, program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. And today, about wine. Mark, that that sparkling wine that we had in the first uh, in that last segment is still on my palate. Like I've still, uh, and that's interesting because that I don't, I find don't necessarily find that's always the case with sparkling that I've still got because I I took my last drink of that. Uh, you know, five ten minutes ago, mm-hmm. and I can still enjoy the sensation of it on my palate. Is that is that something that 
is is that because it's a better wine? Maybe is it because it, it's just a characteristic of this particular the fancy wine? term for that is finish. Finish, okay. Yeah, and that's how yeah the we wine talk about finishes. finish. Yeah. yeah, and and it's length, and I would imagine it's the same with cigars, and mm -hmm. how long it lasts afterwards. And you're right, it does linger for quite a bit. I'm in still, a very pleasant way, yeah. by the way. It's it's really really wonderful. Absolutely, and which which makes it um, an easier wine to enjoy. Uh, not it's not. As quaffable, it's mm -hmm. just it's something that you want to think about. It it's a it's an enjoyable. You're not throwing experience. this back. This yeah. is a, this is something you're going right. to really really savor and, uh, and and take slowly. All right, next on our list is the wine that I pronounced uh, so terribly. Uh, so tell me how we really say it. This is Puy Fume. Puy Fume. So I told you this. Not polyfume. Yeah. Well, I told you this on a uh, um, uh, I think during one of the breaks, but I had uh, an old. Uh, an old buddy, a guy that I worked with, uh, wound up in a number of situations out to dinner with him and his wife. And his wife loved a particular wine. I think it's the only wine she knew, but she would order it and call it polyfusse. Mm -hmm. And so that's what that got drilled into my brain. But that would also be pronounced Puy Fusse, wouldn't it? It would. Okay. So Puy Fusse is in a different part of France. Right. And Puy Fusse Puy is in Burgundy, and that is a, it's a Chardonnay. Mm -hmm. um, Puy Fume, right. this guy is um, Sauvignon Blanc, oh, I and like it comes Sauvignon from Blanc. the Loire area. comes from where? Lo the Loire area. Loire. So, okay. just so where is that? The Loire River starts on the Atlantic, mm -hmm. and it winds its way through um, about a couple hours south of Paris, and then it takes a sharp turn south. And where it turns south is where a place called Sancerre is, which makes Sauvignon Blanc. And across the river is where Puy Fume is. Okay. So it's in the same area. It's just across the river from it. The one thing to know about French wines is that um, <clears throat> they're often named for the region from which they come. They, right. They, you won't see the grape on the on the. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to know that this is Sauvignon Blanc before even, you buy it. Even champagne is. It says from the region that it'll say champagne. Right. Right. Rather than. Um, the grapes that are on the right. bottle. Uh, and this has a very, very different nose. Yeah, it smells like Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah. <laughs> this is, um, and, and I say that because mm -hmm. um, no matter where Sauvignon Blanc comes from, um, you can you can pretty much smell it. They're not going to blind like these high-end um, master sommeliers on this because it's obvious where what this is. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you, smelling. I'll tell you, you get that real distinct sort of citrusy uh, uh, vibe right There's on the palate. There's a nice tartness uh -huh. to this. It really, really is. And a slight and it's peppery very, on the Very finish. refreshing. Yeah, too. this is much more crushable than, this, than the bubbles that we just right, had. Right, right. But it really is good. Oh, my goodness. So a lot of people, when they think Sauvignon Blanc, they instantly think about New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the reasons why I brought this. Because there are a lot of good Sauvignon Blancs from New Zealand, correct? Well, good is a subjective term. Okay. Talk to but me. there are a lot of Sauvignon Blancs from New Zealand that people, that the general public seem to like. Okay. And I'm not disagreeing with you. I think that New Zealand makes some really fantastic. I was going to say, I've had some New Zealand Sauvignon yeah. Blancs that I have really liked. But the, it is quite different than what we're having here. Yes. This has got a a, a, a more brightness to it, mm -hmm. more of a, uh, uh, Ian mentioned it being a little bit tart. Uh, yeah. That that seems to be a little more pronounced than, uh, you know, the Marlboro or other. Uh, you get um, much more minerals. You get a right, minerality right, from, right. from mm -hmm. France specifically than you would from. New Zealand. And there's often there's a lot of of terms to describe the nose, whether mm -hmm. it's um, uh, ammonian or um, 
dare I say cat pee with a lot of people, <laughs> well, you yeah, know, yeah. a lot well, of Well, that's the ammonia. Uh, yeah. Right, right. Well, and, and, and there is that, that, that quality to it. Um, and, and not having cats, well, I can't and, really. And uh, uh, cigars have barnyard and. Yeah, that's right. Barnyard and, and, uh, and beers can have. <laughs> Can funk have and funk and dankness, right? Yeah, and dank so, and and those and can all be good rums things. Rums have so, rubber, right. right? Right, rum. Uh, a lot of great rums have a distinct rubbery uh, vibe, to right? Them. And and uh, you know, in the flavor, wine, not, in the wines, there it's not much different. There are wines that can be defined or, or described as having a cat pee smell or a band aid smell or a rubber band kind of thing. And, and there's a lot of those different wines out there. This happens to be that ammonian kind of quality, but it's not an unpleasant um, uh, way. And it's very bright. It's very sharp. It's very crisp. It's very mineral driven. This is um, why I chose it for today because it's something that I think would work well in hotter temperatures. So when I go for a white wine, I find that I am more likely to enjoy a um, a, a wine like this or a Pinot Grigio uh, than I am necessarily a Chardonnay. I'm not saying I don't like Chardonnays, but I have a tendency to always lean towards a Sauvignon Blanc or a um, or a, uh, a, a Pinot Grigio. What is it that I'm that I'm liking about those more than what I what I, I like about a Chardonnay? I think it's the dryness. Oh, you're probably right. Yes. Yeah, you probably are looking for some or prefer something mm -hmm. that's a bit drier, that finishes a bit more cleanly. Mm -hmm. It seems more refreshing to me. Absolutely. Yeah. That that uh, tartness, that citric mm -hmm. um, uh, tartness that this you get great, from this. By the way. Grapefruity kind of. Yes. Um, and and, I, and I, like that in, I like that in IPAs, too, in beer. I mm -hmm. love the ones that have a little bit of a, of a grapefruit uh uh, a tone to them, or a little bit of a grapefruit note in the uh, in the haziness, but this is a very different. This is sharper, mm -hmm. uh, whereas that is more just kind of a rounder citrus. Uh, but this is very sharp and crisp, and I don't know. It just seems very. You mentioned crushable. It does seem very crushable. Oh, totally. Like you could totally put this down. Yeah, and, you keep uh, this. You keep this really cold. Almost, yeah, uh, there's almost just, an apple crispness to this. Absolutely, like a, a green apple. Absolutely, green. Yeah, yeah. very green apple. Granny Smith, <laughs> crisp kind of. And, I, and it's not to say that it tastes like apples, mm -hmm. but it has that kind of crispness kind to of crispness it. It's that, and, and a this. lot of that you get on the finish. That, that yeah, that lingering kind of tartness. Like once you've had, like the skin that, of that mm -hmm, apple mm -hmm. kind of tartness. And a lot of wine people will use fruit because uh, grapes are fruit um, as a as a descriptive descriptor. People will consider. Uh, things to be pear-like or mm -hmm. melon-like or right. you know, stone fruit, those kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and this juicy, tends to be a juicy red apple is nice, but not every apple is red. Man, a green apple and smoked yeah. gouda. Yeah. I was just giving you a line from an old dance <laughs> song from back stuff. in the rave days. Uh, let's uh, take a break and I'll be right back. That was so obscure that I guarantee not one that's, that's person like, got that's it. That's like break, joy it. and what? pain. A juicy red apple is nice, but <laughs> oh, oh, wait, oh, I'm gonna mess it up. I know, I know. Uh, I can't do it. I can't okay, do it. So say it for me. For me. When Pui speaking French, fume. you only pronounce the first four letters. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Now I got it. And if the word is four letters, pronounce each letter in distinct, very distinctly. Yeah. We'll be right back. <laughs> I hate you, Americans. <laughs> <laughs> Mm -hmm. 
timed, sir. So Nicely done. I do my best. Time to uh, take a look at Smoking and Toasting, by the way. Our program is uh, all about craft beer, fine spirits, hand-rolled cigars, and today a lot about wine because we've had two fantastic wines so far, and we have more coming up. In the meantime, I'm going to tell you about a few cigars to watch for uh, that are headed to retail very soon. Uh, Room 101 brand owner Matt Booth, who has a thing for Ian, uh, is celebrating... <laughs> Uh, is celebrating thirty. He, he man, he was like, he was all over you when we did the interview. What what was that? What do you think that was about? I mean, don't get me wrong, you're a very attractive man, but uh, but Matt he's, Booth he's a was, very sweet guy. Yeah, he was just like he he, he was digging your action. You know, I mean, I, I could do worse. <laughs> yes, that's 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 true. He's a very interesting, <laughs> he's not difficult to look, fascinating at. guy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he is uh, he is also a great cigar maker, and he's celebrating uh, eighteen years. No, I'm sorry, thirteen years. I can't see in the cigar business with a limited edition smoke that will uh, debut at the PCA trade show next month, along with the big payback Nicaragua uh, and ah. Nicaragua, which is a regular production Nicaraguan offshoot of his core brand, the big payback, which of course is making reference to the classic James Brown song, the big payback. Uh, the room 101 13th anniversary is a six inch by 52 ring gauge Toro that will come in uh, pink boxes of 20 uh, cigars. Uh, it's a Nicaraguan puro. All the tobaccos were uh, grown at, Farms owned by AJ Fernandez. Uh, yeah, I'm just <laughs> that saying. guy. Uh, yeah, he also uh, makes the cigars at his factory, uh, and he produced the 10th and 20th anniversary releases for uh, Mr. Booth, as well as uh, it was the factory for the 11th anniversary as well. Although that was kept kept secret. Uh, anyway, big pay big payback Nicaragua also consists entirely of Nicaraguan tobaccos and is made by Hoya de Nicaragua in Esteli, Nicaragua, where the Connecticut version of big payback is made uh, and. And uh, prices for both releases have yet to be finished, but uh, Mr. Booth stated that pricing will be in line with comparable products in his uh, portfolio. So you have that to look forward to. Now, according to the Chinese uh, Zodiac, uh, this is not the year of the rat this year. It is the year of the tiger. The last year of the rat was in 2020, uh, and the next one won't be until 2032. But in 2020, when it was the year of the rat, Drew Estate released their Year of the Rat cigar, mm -hmm. and it was so popular that they just keep releasing it every year, yes. even though it is no longer the Year of the Rat. Uh, they don't want to wait until 2032, and so the uh, Year of the Rat has been re-released. And with music, uh, you know, Jonathan Drew says, sometimes a new song comes out and you're like, yo, hit rewind. Uh, and that's kind of a, a testament to you know, the proper beat, the lyrics, the completeness. Well, the same thing for Year of the Rat, he says. We're just hitting rewind and bringing it uh, bringing it back. So, Jonathan uh, Drew's showing his age. When's the last time you actually rewound anything? Well, yeah, uh, you know, it's interesting <laughs> because even my wife now says we're watching something like, you know, on, on you know, Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever, and she no longer says rewind. She says, back it up, back it up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so even even the old <laughs> rewind, like, <laughs> phrase is uh, is falling out of favor now. That's so interesting. Uh, anyway, Year of the Rat is going to be uh, available at retail stores uh, that do the Drew Diplomat program. It will be a five and a half inches by 46 ring gauge and is going to be expensive, $17.12 per cigar. Ooh. So it better be it better good. Be good. That's all I have to say. Speaking of better be good, it's time to do a little rum sampling. What Talk do you say, about sir? Bring the rubber and bring the funk. Yeah, yeah. So like you've already been uh, doing this. a little research there. 
that's that's the rubber we were talking about a minute well, ago. And as as you know, and I've said this before on the show, when it comes to how we feel about rum here at Smoking and Toasting, we want the funk. We want the funk. Gotta, gotta, Interestingly gotta enough, that funk. those no. <laughs> <laughs> Do we, do we need to pause to get through that song? <laughs> <laughs> it's in my brain now. I can tell you it's that. It's not going anywhere. Earworm, yes. Uh, uh, so what were you going to say? Uh, no, I was going to say, oddly enough, so the flavors that you get right on the nose don't show up on the palate until the finish. Yes. Like the palate is smooth. It's vanilla. It's big. Mm -hmm. It's uh, mm -hmm. it's like raw sugary. It's um, cane sugary kind of. It's... Um, it's dense. Mm -hmm. It's got a kind of a flavor density to it. I don't know how to else to describe it. Mark, what do you get out of this? I mean, you can you can definitely taste the age. It there's mm -hmm. you get you, right because this is a fifteen an year. Oak, yeah. yeah, you definitely get the oak out of it. Um, but I'm with you. You get that vanilla and that that, that caramel. Um, there's a bit of a milky kind ofness to it that I, that I really enjoy. But the the winter spices, the those um, uh, the clove and the, mm -hmm. and the, the uh, yeah yeah those I pumpkin think that's spices. The dense thing I was kind of talking about. Really, on the end, really finishes lovely, and uh, this is great. I love. this. I will just tell you, I absolutely love this. I this is right in my yeah, wheelhouse. I love the finish on this. Mm -hmm. Like the finish is so funky and rubbery and lingering and ridiculous. I absolutely uh, love know, it. I love that. I feel like. I feel like just like you have expanded my horizons with whiskey, I feel like I've expanded yours with rum. Yes, that you're you're getting so much out of this, uh, and you were not a big rum guy before the uh, before we started doing the show. I was not and, not at all. And, and uh, you've often mentioned that your dad was a rum guy. Yes, uh, but Dad liked any rum. Like he never <laughs> met a rum he didn't like, and mm -hmm. if it had a plastic bottle that. <laughs> and, and a ship on it with sails, he was happy. Yeah, how about if it had a seal on the front with a ball balanced on its nose? He wasn't so much, not so much on that one. Uh, okay, that's a Gosling's you're talking yeah, about, right? Yeah. yeah, I've had that before. But he, but he liked not, the ones I don't with like the, the real on. spicy rums, the spiced rums like that. That's like, why they put ginger beer in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a. Well, I, I will still say, though. It, it, you can't dismiss spiced rums entirely because Kraken and Diet Kraken's Dr. Pepper a bizarre is a exception. thing of beauty. Kraken's a bizarre exception, man. Well, we had a spiced rum here on the show, you know, a month or so ago, mm. and it was okay, but it wasn't great. You know, <laughs> it was okay. I think that um, was the one I just did not like. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, he means he liked it. I was like, yeah, no, uh, uh, Ian was a guy. But this, I think rum is making resurgence too. Well, I I think it absolutely. I'm I actually, be happier I think about almost it. all spirits seem to be on on the rise. With gin is another one. Oh, you and know, it's these old spirits. It's these spirits right, you right. You yeah. haven't heard from in a while. That's that's what's really coming back, and mm. I think um, that's that's the best part about it. Well, have you explored some of the? Uh, um, Barrel age or barrel rested gin? Yes, yes, yeah. we've got one at the lodge. In fact, I make a, a great old fashioned with it. Yeah. Ooh, nice. Yeah. In fact, well, gin I, old fashioned. My little my little twist on it. We use um, uh, a, a, a sweet tea syrup in it for the sweetness, and the bitter is lemon oh, bitters. Interesting. So tea and lemon and and the whole gin. I like that's like amazing. This. I it's like really, this very really good, much. Yeah. Wow. Mm. And by the way, the thunk it. that that barrel aged gin, uh, 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 gin, 
that we're talking about is from Texas. This is the Waterloo one? Yeah. Yeah, I actually have a bottle of When you guys came and did the show at the lodge. Right, right. that one. Mm, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. So good. Really, really good. And we had, um, I will say, one of my favorite gins that I've ever tasted. Uh, We had here on the show a couple of months ago when we had uh, Sean Anger from Fox Fox and Seeker. Seeker, yeah. Brought on. uh, Doing great stuff. That gin was outstanding. And And the Meridian. Yeah, and and it had Gem. just it had such a gentleness to it. It just wasn't. It didn't like jump out of the bottle and beat you over the head with uh, boysenberry and and lilac. And it was juniper. it was just in juniper. Yeah, it was just this really interesting, complex floral nature to it that was just. Uh, it was wonderful. There's, I recommend there's a lot of producers highly. that are having a lot of fun now with gin. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. they're really doing a great job. And it's not just this Christmas tree. That, right, right. That you get, so, you're and there's a time stressed. and place for that traditional Boodles or that Hendrix or the right. uh, the Tanqueray, you know, mm-hmm. those some of the Juniper Forward, the the very uh, pine Christmas trees, you like yep. to say, yeah. that kind of thing. There's a place for that, but this but it's nice. Reminds me to... of visiting my grandma when I was a kid because she had those bushes. <laughs> I don't know what those bushes are called, but they have that same smell as Juniper. Yes. You know that where they, you know they trim the top of them so yeah. they're square what, what are those bushes called they have the little knobby I, things on, i don't know they have anyway. little berries because yeah right, could be right. juniper <laughs> no it wasn't actually juniper oh. but uh anyway they my grandma had them at her house and and i liked the smell but i don't know if i would have wanted to drink it i mean a juniper is just it's basically a fir tree right yeah uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean that's all the juniper that's is. why a lot of people talk about christmas tree that it's yeah. their hairspray it's that, mm-hmm. that big yeah, rich yeah. That um, IPA flavor. Well, let me just say this right now to go back to this rum for a minute. This rum is outstanding. This is an Appleton estate. Twelve. It's a 12 year, right? 15. Uh, 15. 15. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. 15. Uh, it's an Appleton estate. 15. And this bottle was $65, uh, $68. And I think it is worth Hashtag every worth it. single penny and and it is just absolutely uh wonderful doug's uh doug's pointing to have you show that to the camera there uh, ian uh but that's the appleton estate 15 now i will say this i've had some of appleton estate's younger rums and i haven't been as big of a fan this is the first appleton estate that i've been i had crazy a uh, i had for. a student from jamaica years ago uh-huh. vincent amolame i think was his name Interesting guy. He was really nice. Um, uh, or was it Denzel? I can't remember. It was one of the two. But brought me an Appleton Estate, and it was one of their, like, kind of a single cask mm-hmm. or whatever. And he's like, mm-hmm. this is this is from where I'm from. And he brought it to me. It was very, and it was very nice. Very good, yeah. Uh, it was at that time well, probably one of the best rums I've ever, I've ever had. Yeah. But we've tried so many since then. This is outstanding. Though. This, yeah. I would definitely, like, you know, with with the with the extra cash, I would definitely go pick one of these. You know, uh, you know, rum is like everything else; it's getting more expensive, but it's still one of the places where I think your dollar buys you the most in terms of it's, really exceptional. exceptional it's real rate. tough to spend a lot on rum when you can go buy plantation for twenty five dollars, dude, dude. Yeah, the twenty five dollars for of Fiji. Isle of Fiji, and it's fantastic. Hey, docs. Yeah, hey docs. <laughs> like it's unbelievable how yeah. good that is. Speaking of uh, at that speaking price of, point. Speaking of prices, uh, Ian, you know, we're a few months away from my birthday. 
But I want to go ahead and tell you right now. Didn't you have a birthday last year? <laughs> you know, you're right. I did. <laughs> you're right. I did. But but when my birthday comes around this year, I, I want to make this really easy on you because I know you like to get me something that's meaningful. Yes, you know, yes. For my I'm birthday. You've given me some great gifts. Uh, I'm in listening. The past. This year, all I want is a cigar. One cigar. I'm not going to ask you to overdo it. I'm not going to ask you to like you know that one cigar that you get, always wanted yeah, all your life. The one cigar that I've always wanted. I would really like for you to buy me for my birthday a Cohiba 55 Anniversario. It, it you know just that one cigar. We'll call it a great birthday. That's it. <laughs> I feel like I feel like how much is that one cigar? It's three hundred dollars. <laughs> And when I give it to you, I want you, I want you, I want you to light smoke. it. I want you to get distracted and set it down and then <laughs> and just leave out. it there. <laughs> let it go let out. It go out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> One of those things where people come along and then you wait too long and relight it. You're like, oh, yeah. I want you, I want you to go like, too oh, yeah, thanks. Light it up. Take a couple puffs. Eat some Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs <laughs> but can you believe that? We've been talking about this, about how Cohibas are going up. But uh, it's Cuban Cohibas, and it is a Cuban cigar. But holy moly, three hundred dollars! Woo, dude! For a single stick, could do an awful lot with three hundred dollars. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, you can buy boxes of great cigars. That multiple yes. boxes yeah. of great cigars. You can buy boxes of Padron Anniversarios for that. You know, that's I mean, a, you have a whole a whole uh, uh, humidor full. Yeah, that's that's a little crazy. So at what point? You know, you and I are cigar lovers, right? Mm -hmm. At what point does it become like... I, I have yeah. to admit, I am in love with the cigar. Yeah. So at what point does it become... Uh, uh, no, I won't do that. Like, that's too much. For me? Yeah. What, uh, what price point What price point will you not cross? Because I don't, there couldn't be a cigar right, let's, let's, good let's enough. Let's talk about the price hierarchy of cigars. And this can be gone into, into wines or into, into right. uh, sure, sure. Spirits, spirits or anything, anything. else. But like, let's spirits. just talk about my... My, uh, you're like, by the way, spirits. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's just talk about that for a second. So, if I'm buying a cigar, if it's six to seven dollars, I don't bat an eye or think about it, right? Same, same here, absolutely 100. If it's, if it's 10 or more, I pause for a moment and try to say, okay. Am I? Do I think this is going to be worth that money? Yeah, right? at ten or more, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely counting how many I'm buying because mm -hmm. that starts to add mm -hmm. up pretty quick. Mm -hmm. uh, when we get to, when we get above ten, I've got to either really want to try it or already really like it. Already know that it's. You good know, I'm not going to yeah. frivolously buy anything above ten dollars. That's mm -hmm. not going to happen. But I will try stuff. So would when you, we get to eighteen dollars, I don't know why eighteen is a specific number there because you know it's not quite twenty. You think it'd be twenty, yeah. But eighteen dollars is a pretty high price point for something you're just gonna burn. Mm -hmm. You know, um, sometimes I'll talk myself into it, but there are cigars at that price range that are so good. Yes, the Placencia Alma Fuerte oh, is dude. a twenty. What about eighteen the to twenty? Two dollar cigar. It's isn't worth the, every penny. Uh, it's amazing. Isn't the Andalusian uh, the Andalusian bull? bull is right at eighteen dollars. Yeah. It's a That's great, a wonderful cigar. cigar. Um, so uh, there's a lot of good cigars in that price point that uh, that I'll, I'll buy that. That's my special occasion. I'm gonna treat myself. I'm gonna stick one of these in my humidor and 
and let myself think about it for a while. You know, because the planning right. of a vacation sure. oh, is almost sure. as sure, almost as enjoyable is your as a vacation. Special occasion so. yeah. number. Yeah, for a cigar. Eighteen dollars. That's where it location. starts. Yeah, okay. that's right. where it starts. So, would you buy? Now, that a... being said, I will on occasion go buy that forty-fifth anniversary Padron, which is thirty, right. uh, depending on where you buy thirty-five dollars. Right. I have had that cigar before. It's and worth every penny. It's unbelievable. And but that's a that's a, that's I have to be in a headspace for that. Like I got to okay know like that, that is yeah. That's like celebration cigar. Okay, you know? so. Is there a cigar at let's just say a hundred dollars, and let's assume for the for the sake of argument that the money's in your wallet, right? You got a you got a little I, bonus I cash, uh, yeah, this yeah. week. You got the cash there. Would you spend a hundred dollars on a cigar? Um, I'm a little bit of a pragmatist, so I feel like I would buy three. 45th anniversaries at that point. Right. I don't know that I, I don't know that I've, I've never, first off, I've never had a hundred dollar cigar that to mm -hmm. my knowledge. Right. Okay. I've never smoked a cigar. That's like a hundred dollars. This is what you're burning right now. Um, uh, so I don't know. I don't have a basis for comparison on that. The second thing is if I was looking at that one cigar for a hundred dollars, I would probably think to myself, I could buy three of these and have friends. For right. that same hundred dollars, right? I could buy three of these anniversarios, and we could all enjoy it. And that's like that's kind of where my headspace goes. So, I have a question: that. How long does that anniversario last? What mm, hour and a half? Hour and a half, yeah. So hour so, fifteen, so hour and a half. Here I am. Th my gears are turning up here because I have spent a hundred bucks on a bottle of wine. On a bottle of wine, sure. Yeah. That yeah. lasts an me hour. an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, an hour, hour and a half, yeah. So let me ask you this question. Where is the tipping point for you? How expensive does a bottle of wine have to be where you say, you know, instead of spending that money on that, and we're assuming for the sake of argument, you have mm -hmm. the money. Okay. So it's not about, I can't afford it. So let's say you have the money. At what point of expense does a wine become not worth it because for that same money you could have several bottles of something else that you know is I, good. The thing is, is that I, I get I get treated to tastes every day. Right, and I, that's I, that's I a thing all day long. Um, and so I've had a lot of the really expensive mm -hmm. stuff out mm -hmm. there. I've not bought any of it, but I've had. But it. we're spending your money. If now, I'm right? spending mm -hmm. money, I and I have spent some money on on some wine but i think it has everything to do with the occasion with mm -hmm. the um uh the environment uh, two weeks ago i was in new york city i had a glorious lunch at um la bernadine and i was already spending 300 dollars on lunch um i was with my best friend and his wife and uh some other people and we blew it out um, yeah. But I think, you know, th there are certain situations where, yes, you were in that space. We were yeah. we were uh, we were prepared to spend the money. We were here's where we are. And there's a hundred dollar bottle here. There's a hundred and fifty dollar bottle. There is a two hundred dollar bottle there. Um, also, am I celebrating something? Am I buying a two hundred dollar bottle of champagne? Are we celebrating something? Right. Or is uh, it just Tuesday? <laughs> or is it Tuesday? And, right. and, and, and I have some things at home that that I'd that I save that I don't mm -hmm. want to open, but mm -hmm. sometimes it's a Tuesday and it's been one of those days and this is getting open today. So I recently bought 
a bottle of my absolute favorite tequila, which is the Jose Cuervo Reserva oh, yeah. de la Familia. Yeah. It's about $165 a and bottle. And going now. up steadily. And going up every time, right? Like all, like all tequila is. But I was reminded, we've talked about this, about kind of my second favorite tequila, which is the Skelly Añejo, which I think the first bottle I ever bought of it was $33, and it's now 100 it's now like ninety eight. And the liquid hasn't changed. It's still very good, but it, but at that point, it's kind of like the question I asked you in reverse: like, why spend ninety nine dollars on my second favorite when for sixty more I could get the absolute best? And so I bought the that one and, and brought it home, and my wife and I toasted and had a, a wonderful evening. But the the point is that it it when it comes to to cost. It's about two things. A, can you afford it? Because if you can't afford it, then it, it makes no, no sense point, anyway. Yeah. Right, right. But B, if you can afford it, is it the best use of that money? Whether it's a $30 cigar, a $100 cigar, a $300 cigar, like the Cohiba I want you to get me for my birthday, and, and or is it... Is it ridiculous? Like, is that money better spent on, you know, three boxes of something cheaper? Like, it, it, it to me, that's the eternal question, you know, yeah. when it comes to well, su- and supporting what's worth it. And, and what's back not. to my answer when you asked me about the cigar is do I buy the $100 cigar or do I buy three of the $30 cigars? Mm-hmm. I, in, in my case, I'd rather buy three of the $30 cigars. In general, even without tasting the hundred dollar cigar, just because then, then you get one, you get one. Right, we get to right. sit around and talk we can about enjoy you know, it those all kind together, of things, right? Right, absolutely. You know, or I buy the thirty dollar <laughs> cigar and I got you know seventy dollars for a bottle of whiskey. Right, exactly. You know, that's yeah. exactly right. <laughs> I, I have another wrinkle. So I don't like get a cigar. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> what What happens if you've been gifted something? If you've been given that three hundred dollars cigar, different. yeah. Do you, do you then go, ooh, now I have to find the right time? Or oh, absolutely. Do I, do yeah, I yeah. hold on to it forever? Absolutely. And- I'm not taking it home and smoking it tonight unless tonight is yeah. a very special night, right? Yeah, I mean, that's not one of those I came home drunk from a Rockets game and <laughs> <laughs> dude, had, some, had some vodka and Sprite. Yeah, no, dude, that, <laughs> I, can, I, can abs- I can absolutely tell you that's when you smoke like a uh, a, a, a Connecticut uh, right or a, a, a factory Macanudo. smoke a fac- or a, whatever. A, Macanudo, yeah. a, fac- a factory smoke, absolutely. Been there, done that. <laughs> Been there, done that. No, uh, I, I will tell you that it's 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 an interesting conversation because what is worth it? What is special? What is uh, what is special occasion? Well, see, I've also done the opposite thing though, where I've had some special occasion cigars and I've left them in the humidor for too long. Not. Not that they got messed up, but it's like, what am I doing? I they need start to, to lose pull their them out. special occasion. I need to pull this, them yeah. out and, and actually but smoke them. There's yeah? also one inherent difference between the cigar and a bottle of wine or a bottle of whiskey. Mm-hmm. And one of the things is if you if you have a bottle of wine, say a two hundred dollar bottle of wine, um, you can share that. You can save right, that for a moment when right. someone comes point. over that that's you know point. will appreciate it with you. And, and like to me, that's about a that is so it's for a fifty dollar. Right, but something about that is better, I think. Yeah, than just having so it the yourself. sharing part is so much fun. You know, Love like that. if you just have one, like uh, like one cigar, you can't really split a cigar. All right, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what, then, Ian. Rather than buying me the three hundred dollar Cohiba, 
buy two of the $100 Cohibas. <laughs> keep one for yourself and we'll smoke them together. That'll be <laughs> that'll be my birthday. Okay? Noted. That'll so be my three birthday. specters on the list. Got All it. All right. We got to take a break. We're going to be back. We have, <laughs> we have uh, one more uh, wine That's to uh, try. That was fun. And I think I can pronounce this one. It looks like it's called Angela. And uh, it's a, uh, and, and, and by the way, while we're, while we're on our way out on this one, now yeah. that you've been have the uh, 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 the rum in your palate. Yep, Take a yep. sniff of that last wine. Oh, see, Ooh, I think I, I, think I, think I polished off yeah, my seven. Let me just say the ammonia Ooh. Ooh. Is, Ooh. is strong nice. in this one at this point. Yeah. The force and the ammonia are strong with this one. We'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting. <laughs> yes, for sure. It's all grapes. Welcome back into Smoking and Toasting. And we are so glad to be here for show number 284. Mark Morell, our wine expert, is our guest today. And he's already brought two outstanding wines, and we haven't even gotten to the Pinot Noir. So I'm really excited. <laughs> we'll get to that uh, in this segment. We've had good rum. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the segment of the program that is sometimes, it sometimes features stories about drinking. Not always. But it always features stories which are best enjoyed if you've been drinking. And boy, have we. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Drinking News. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for Drinking News. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for Drinking News. A Florida man with one arm said he had a gator for a pet. When asked about his absent arm, he said, uh... Take my gator to the vet. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. And just a quick reminder, the drinking news stories are stories that we find uh, from a number of different sources, but they all have been reported at at least one place that is somewhat reputable. In other words, these are not stories from The Onion. These are stories that actually appeared. <laughs> stories yeah. from the Onion are hilarious. Oh, I love I love the Onion, but you know, obviously they're made up. So, uh, so these are <laughs> stories that apparently happened somewhere. So, we've all been there, right? You're minding you, your you own. You mean Florida? <laughs> we've all been I mean, to Florida. I have been. <laughs> I know, we've all been there. You're minding your own business in your double wide mobile home. You. <laughs> Poured your first cup of instant coffee of the day. You're dressed in your slightly too tight terry cloth bathrobe that you bought for $3.95 at Walmart. And you wander out on your back patio there at the uh, poorly managed uh, trailer park that is your home when you discover that a great injustice has been done to you. There, on the aging wood of your trailer's back deck is evidence of a crime so heinous it may mean that you need to take the law into your own hands. No one has shot at you. No one has painted graffiti on your home. No one has been trying to peek into your windows. But there, right on the deck, are a few scattered droppings of chicken poop. Bastards. It's happened to all of us at one time or another, am I right? Just this morning. So what can you do? <laughs> Is it time for a little vigilante justice? That was just the case on May the 8th when... 
a Florida woman. <laughs> A Florida woman took matters into her own hands and decided to get even. 57-year-old... <laughs> wascally chicken. 57-year-old <laughs> Christine Terman at the Palm Haven Mobile Home Park in St. Petersburg, Florida, got so angry over her neighbor's chicken leaving feces on her property that police had to be called in to break up the resulting dispute. According to the police report... Terman got so upset with her neighbor, Lawrence Stenzel, because of his, quote, chicken pooping on the back patio, end quote, uh, that she raced back into her mobile home, grabbed, and I am quoting the arrest report here, a bucket of pee from her bathroom. Oh, good. Well, where do you keep your bucket of pee? <laughs> walked onto the back patio and threw the bucket of piss at the neighbor. Not only did Stencil get hit in the face with the bucket, but he was doused with pee, according to what deputies wrote. Cops claim that, quote, the victim... The victim... <laughs> this is not a victimless crime. <laughs> Cops claim, well, and I, I, I quote... Get some more rum. <laughs> Cops, what Cops, is happening here? Cops claim, and I quote, <laughs> the, the victim was wet when we arrived and smelled of urine. Uh -huh. End quote. Uh, Terman confessed to battering the victim. After being read her rights, cops say, uh, there was nothing in the report to speak to oh, you why. Oh, you can already hear that confession. Like, oh, yeah. they don't even do, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was nothing in the report to speak to why Terman had a bucket of pee ready to be used. Uh, what is known is that she was booked into the uh, Pinellas County Jail on a misdemeanor charge of battery. She's since been released from jail after posting a $500 bond. Now, this leaves us with a couple of very obvious and very important questions. The first is to wonder whether any of these people at the Palm Haven Mobile Home Park have heard of a structure called a coop. It can be made entirely out of something called a chicken wire, and it can keep your chicken from wandering willy-nilly around the Palm Haven, which sounds like a hell of a place, by the way, uh, and pooping indiscriminately wherever they may choose. Palm Haven? Is that what the Palm place Haven, is called? Mobile Home Park. It's like where you threaten to send Grandma. <laughs> Palm Haven? Yeah, it also has the mobile added benefit park. of making sure that they uh, lay their eggs inside the coop so it's easy to retrieve them and you don't have to go crawling under old Mrs. McGillicuddy's trailer every time you you want to you know whip up an omelet or something so secondly and far more important who keeps a bucket of pee in their bathroom where else would you keep it, it? but it has to be asked right the police report says <laughs> that stencil was and i'm quoting here doused with pee end quote so it had to be a fairly full bucket right I mean, did she go make it uh, well, yeah. Can we assume that, sh that there's no way? But then, she's but then like the guy if he in the was backyard, would he be pee? like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'll just wait here a moment." Yeah, yeah. While she goes and pees in the bucket, and, and no, just stands no, there. No, this like... bucket was clearly prepared ahead of time. If he was <sighs> doused with pee. All right. So there's a couple things about this story. The first thing is, if I had a pee bucket, right? That's like a song. If I had a pee bucket, <laughs> um, I mean, I would definitely keep it in the bathroom. That'd be a good B side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or you know what though? If I had a pee bucket, I'd probably keep it on the back porch because I really don't want my house smelling like that. Like, so I don't know. Maybe she's unprepared. It, it over. You know, after well, listen, all, listen. If you're collecting 
buckets of urine in your house. You're either selling it to applicants who are trying to pass the drug test, <laughs> Michael, which is illegal. 15 seconds in the microwave. Yeah. Here you go. Or you should. Here's a Ziploc bag. <laughs> is that real? Or you should perhaps <laughs> be removed from the Palm Haven Mobile Home Park to the Palm Haven Psychiatric Facility uh, because that's just not normal. Conveniently friends. next door. Yeah. Uh, most importantly, society should definitely step in before you decide to breed. That that much we can we can definitely uh, attest to. Anyway, you look at it. Uh, today's drinking news story can only be described as a real pisser. <laughs> Reporting from the Palm Haven. My name is Cruz, and that is your. Drinking news, drinking news. That's our time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. Okay, that may have been our best drinking news story in a while, don't you think? <laughs> I just, the, the idea of stay here, I'll be I mean, right back. Where's your pee bucket? And disappearing into the trailer and returning with a bucket of urine. Uh, Is that, how long yeah, have you been planning this? When, how long does it take to fill a bucket? That's exactly it. Like a bucket. Like, that's didn't that's how multiple peas, right? Yeah, oh, sure. That's at least a good night of drinking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but maybe it's a week's worth? Is it a month's worth? It would have to be at least... Oh, how big is the bucket? Is it like one of those Homer pails uh, yeah, from Home Depot? The there classic wasn't a picture of the bucket. But when you say the word bucket, you're not you talking about of, a little thing. You're talking about, yeah. I mean, it could be like one of those little metal pails, you know, you uh, should take to the beach. I don't I have know. a feeling. A feeling it was. Nah, a yeah, when you say bucket, that. I'm thinking five gallon for yeah, real deal. I'm, like, I'm thinking one of the ones you get at Home Depot that you use like when you're painting and stuff. You know, maybe she hadn't paid the water bill in a while. <laughs> I uh, I just don't. I, I don't. What would be? What would make you have it there already? That's the thing. That's the thing. Did she live alone? Maybe she's into no, no things. Uh, I didn't get into it in the story, but apparently Water she had her, her sports. <laughs> I have a one-word answer for you. Yeah, Florida. Okay, and, and Doug He's has got a, good, a point. Doug has a good point. Doug, Doug has a good point. This didn't happen in Massachusetts. Let's remember this. It didn't happen in California. No, this was not Minot, North Dakota. Yeah, this right. was exactly, exactly. Oh man! Well, Mark Burrell is our uh, special guest today. He is. Oh yeah, sure. Bring who, me in. We like to refer to as our wine expert. Speaking of pee buckets, mm -hmm. uh, um, <laughs> that's so bad. I'm glad I brought Sauvignon Blanc today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but you also brought uh, some Pinot Noir. I did, and I'm a big Pinot Noir fan. That's uh, that's probably my favorite. Uh, my favorite wine is Pinot Noir. So me too. Um, I think it's beautiful versatile. Beautiful color on the end mm. of that cork. Mm. Isn't that lovely? It's a. Uh, it's versatile. It's. It goes with everything. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the reason that I brought this specific one is because it comes from Oregon. And outside of uh, Burgundy, I think that Oregon makes really spectacular uh, uh, Pinot Noir, um, and it tends to have a bit more of an earthy characteristic than you might find in, say, Sonoma County. The nose so when on we this. think of when we think of American wines, mm -hmm. we certainly think of Napa and Sonoma in California yep. as probably the number one place. Would you say Oregon's number two? I would I would say Oregon's number one. Oh, uh, very good, very good. But but as far as production is concerned, yeah, Sonoma but in County. Terms of, in terms of putting out great wines, makes though, a lot. Would... Sonoma County, Santa Barbara County makes a lot of good right, Pinot. Right. Um, I if, as far as what I'm talking about at the Lodge at Rainbow Lodge, Oregon produces a Pinot Noir that tends to have a bit more earth to it. And when you think about it. 
I'm going to get pretty deep, like literal here, because um, the soil in Oregon has a bunch of different soil types, and it has to do with the Missoula flood that came through centuries ago. It has to do with the volcanoes that are prevalent in that area or mm -hmm. that had been prevalent in that area, because the Willamette Valley specifically sits between these two mountain ranges on the coast and deeper inside the state. And so there's a lot of historical action in that dirt. And so Oregon tends to produce a Pinot that has a bit more earth than, say, the fruit of Sonoma County. Well, this is, I was just going to say, very earthy on the mm -hmm. nose. The nose you on get, this is old grape in yeah. the best old, way. Old grape and earth. Yeah, in the yeah. best way possible. Well, and and as far as the menu at the Rainbow Lodge is concerned, those kinds of descriptors work much better with the food at Rainbow Lodge. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah, and so um, we uh, like to to offer Oregon Pinot as much as we can. And when you think about it, it kind of ticks those boxes when she's having this and he's having that and maybe he wants white and she wants something red. Well, this is a lighter body red um, that she's going to be happy with, but he's going to enjoy as well. So it mm. kind of ticks both boxes and that's really why. is really is fantastic. And not only that, but this is from Angela, um, Angela Vineyards. Um, it's relatively new for us here at the lodge, um, but it, it has a great story. Um, perhaps you've heard of the Graham Beck family out of South Africa, who was known for making sparkling wine, really incredible sparkling wines. Um, and they decided to, um, uh, family and lineage down have decided to work in in Oregon and she has um, done just a beautiful job well this is really this fantastic problem. yeah it, but this it's is so different like uh, even on the nose it's actually drinks a little bit lighter than I was expecting from the nose of it mm -hmm. uh it drinks a little bit lighter it finishes a little bit cleaner it's got a great oaky dryness to it that uh yes that I'm really enjoying like I love red wines for that oaky dryness on the on the end in well, general. And I, I don't say, know enough about Ryan wines to tell you like this particular one or that one, but I know that right there is delicious. On this that. has enough earth to it though, that it, for me, it throws it a little bit out of a more typical Pinot Noir flavor profile. Right. It, it is it, in the same way that Ian, if we're having a farmhouse ale, the funk like it, it tastes like an ale, but the funk almost feels like it puts it in a whole different category, right? Because of that dankness. Well, and it's and the, the structure funk, right? that you get from this right. that tannic structure, that, that right. richness, that dryness that you get at the end that makes it feel a little heavier than it actually is. But it's so tasty. Like but it, you look at it. it I mean, it dances on your taste buds. Your it's listeners can't sticks to your glass. Well, no, they they can see this. They can quite, they can watch this. But look how much it sticks to the glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's quite um, it's quite transparent. You can you can see through, which is you know a trademark of Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir is a lighter bodied right. wine. Um, this just happens to have a little bit of extra kick to it. That it really does. It's mm -hmm. got. It, uh, this is one of the more unique tasting Pinot Noirs I've ever had. Like it it is really kind of doing its own thing in a very good way. But yeah. but really kind of doing its own thing. Well, and and you can you can see one of the reasons why this is so popular is because yes, it's going to go great with that um that that uh, uh crusted fish mm -hmm. that you might have. It's also going to go great with something porky. It's going to go great with um uh even a lamb. I think this is a I really would have great. this with oh, the yeah. elk. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it would totally work. Well, and because the elk is so lean that you need something with a little fruit to kind mm-hmm. of help counterbalance right. that. Yeah. A lot of people just immediately go to Cabernet. And I'm going to... Okay, is not go a, for it. Do it, do it, do it. I know. <laughs> I saw Rant. the look on your face. Rant. Go, go, Rant. go. This is, not a pop, this is not going to be a popular statement. And okay, I apologize to all the Cabernet Listen, lovers you're, out there. you're on the same segment as something called Drinking News. You're in, you're, you're in good territory to say whatever you want. <laughs> Thank you for the reassurance. <laughs> I like Cabernet. It's not my go-to. Right. That said, um, I, there are very few restaurants in anywhere, maybe outside of Napa, where Cabernet is a perfect match for whatever you're eating. There's not a lot out there. Um, and why is that? Well, it, it, now, I'm going to generalize here because Cabernet, sure, sure. specifically from California, tends to be big and juicy and a little sweeter. And people cringe when I say that, but it's the truth. Um, it, and there's often not a lot of even especially the bigger names that are out there. There's often not a lot of complexity to it. Um, I've had some really lovely Cabernets from Washington or from France, um, from uh, the eastern part of uh, Santa Barbara County. Um, and I think that there are some out there, but there aren't a lot of Cabernets that go great with a lot of things on any menu. For that, what you need to really do is find something from the Rhone Valley, this Pinot Noir, um, some some really lovely things. But I've got a page and a half Cabernet on, on the Sure. Well, it's popular. People, people like it. It's popular, well, and yeah. That's fine. You know well, I talk think it's to easy if you know you like a red wine. Like if you're dumb and, like and you me, know you, you know like you like a, a red one, wine, right? you like it big. It's easy to say I like Cabernet, you know, because that's so easy to remember. I, I think less people understand what a Pinot Noir is than a Cab. I th- and you're, you're exactly right. And that crutch is is why we sell a lot of cab and it's absolutely the same problem happens in beer with ipa people say i want a beer an ipa and they have no idea what they're ordering yep that's a little bit of a jab at him easy there my friend (laughs) sorry well and i gotta be honest with you we have a mutual friend that does the exact same thing and he immediately goes to the ipa well but see i i gravitate towards ipa but it's because i like that style of beer and i've had some Great IPAs. I've had some IPAs that weren't so great, and most of them are somewhere in the middle. My point is that it's about what you like and what works with what else you were having, whether it's a cigar or dinner or Which whatever Which is exactly it might be. why that it doesn't really matter if you want it to match. Now, if you do, that's great. But if you, if you don't care about it, it actually going – Drink what you want. Yeah, and if I it's that, that Cabernet, super. If it's the $6 See, stuff at Target, I say go for it. See, I'm that way about music. I'm like, listen to what you like. Don't let some music snob, you know, shame you out of listening. If you really like Cardi B, then don't listen to me when I tell you she has no talent. Go and enjoy the song. And, and I mean, she has no talent. But if you enjoy that type of thing, go for it. Uh, I, You know where I'm coming from here, right? You're not like on the Cardi B 
fan. I'm indifferent when it comes to Cardi B. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're Cardi B agnostic? Absolutely. Solidly okay. indifferent. Right. Fair enough. <laughs> but 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 no, I, I, I'm joking. But my point is, like what you like. No, like, no, no. Like, she really doesn't have any talent. Well, that's, <laughs> well, that's my other point. But, 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 but let's just say, but seriously, though, like what you like. There if you like hundreds of thousands like, of wines out there, yeah. there's going to be something out there for somebody. Right. That you will like whatever that may be. It's, I, that's I, what, I, I that's, say it's like art. It's a subjective thing. Right. I, just because some, I do this for a living doesn't make me right. Some people like a beautiful Monet. Some people really want dogs playing poker. I mean, it happens, right? Mm -hmm. Ooh, only if it's velvet. Oh, well, it has to be velvet. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It has to be velvet. Velvet Elvis. Uh, velvet Elvis. Yeah, the there used to be a bar Elvis. here in uh, in uh, uh, Houston called the Velvet Elvis, and I believe they had to change <laughs> their did. name yeah, because the of Elvis's uh, estate. The Elvis Foundation, yeah. So, so what are they now? The Velvet Melvin? Velvet Melvin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to say, roll it's not nearly as exciting as Velvet yeah. Elvis, but it's it's a cool it's a cool little dive bar. Um, it is always so much fun. Uh, one of the things I think I, I enjoy most about having you uh, on, Mark, other than the fact that you're just fun to hang out with, uh, is how little I actually do really know about wine. So I always learn so much when you're when you're on the show. And uh, I want to th uh, thank you for that, and we appreciate it. We are going to take a break. We'll be back to wrap the program up. Uh, but uh, you have brought three spectacular wines. I mean, you I do that no, every time. I had no doubt you were going to do that. But still, sometimes when you taste every them, time. you're like, wow. So I'm just glad I brought a, a, a rum this week that kind of stood up to the quality of the, uh, of, of the other wines. We'll be right back. It's Smoking and Toasting. Welcome back at Smoking and Toasting. This is a program that is all about craft beer, fine spirits, hand-rolled cigars, and in the case of this week, some incredibly fine wine. Thank you, Mark Burrell. Oh, it's been uh, my pleasure. Uh, it is always so much fun to have you on. Now, I know that you're... Um, that in your background, like you were a radio guy for a while, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's got to be fun to you to like get to come and sit in front of a microphone again, right? It is. It is. A, it's a lot of fun. It's and it's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the last time, the last it, time I was in, I grew up in Port Arthur, which is east of here, right? Mm -hmm. And um, twenty years ago, when I was doing this, there was my picture on the billboards and mm -hmm. the hurricane <laughs> tracking chart and the whole thing, right? Um, and I was in the grocery store, and somebody came up to me and went, "Hey." Aren't you Mark Allen? Well, I haven't been Mark Allen in 25 years. <laughs> but yeah, that's me. <laughs> Reminds me, there was this awesome. show on TV uh, back in the, I think, early 90s. It was called Midnight Caller. And it actually starred one of my absolute favorite actors, Gary Cole. Gary Cole, who's in Office Space. And he's the boss. Not Gary and, Coleman. No, not different. Gary Coleman. No, what are you no. talking about? But, uh, Gary Cole. <laughs> nice. Gary Cole. He's in Office Space. He's the boss in Office Space. The, I'm going to need you to come in on oh, that guy is Saturday. Okay, so, so he played in this show called Midnight Caller. This overnight DJ in San Francisco on a talk radio station, right? So he was the overnight guy. He's, a, he's on... After 12 midnight. 
And as a part of the show, because, of course, you can't make a whole show about that, he would also, like, help solve crimes and stuff during the day. Oh, of course time. he Because, of course, he did, because he's an overnight DJ, right? But what cracked me up about the he show. He used his DJ skills. Yeah. <laughs> what would crack me up about the show is during the day, when he wasn't on the air, he would go into, you know, neighborhood grocery stores or whatever, and people would hear his voice, and they'd, go, they'd always go, hey. Aren't you that guy on the radio? And I'm like, listen, I've been the overnight DJ. Trust me, no one recognizes your voice because no one's awake and no one's listening. <laughs> no one's listening. That, that's just that's just anyway. But I don't know. You know, I, but you I sound know just I... like you. You sound just like you. He, you look. Oh yeah. <laughs> Right, you look just like you sound. I, I get that when I walk into a specs, though, man. Sometimes I walk into a specs and I'll hear you do a spot, and it cracks me up. <laughs> yeah, like, well, oh, <laughs> that's just fun, though. The fun thing about being on Specs Radio is what I get to talk about. I'm talking about craft beers. I'm talking about wines. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about, come on, how is that not fun? That's absolutely awesome. Anyway, Mark, we love having you on the show. It's always a blast. And I always learn a lot uh, about wine, which shows you I have a lot to learn about wine. But but I really enjoy it, and I appreciate it. And, and thank you so much for being here. And just know that like you're like... Your invitation is standing. Anytime you want to just show up, just just show up. Feel free uh, to pod crash. Yeah, but we do want to do a uh, we do want to do a show next week on on the back uh, deck of the uh, yeah of the restaurant. Uh, so let's I think that's let's, fine. Let's absolutely set we that can up. Make that happen. Uh, you can pod crash next week if you want, but we won't be here. We're taking the week off next week, uh, but we will be back on the sixth. Uh, of July, when we will be joined, ladies and gentlemen, by Nathan from Rio Brazos Distillery. Nice. So we're looking forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I just want to thank everybody for making it with us through 200 and, what did I say, 284? 280-something. Yeah, and no one has stepped in to stop us. I and can't that's a count that thing. high. I don't have that many uh, fingers. Yeah. So uh, thank you for being here. Thanks to Doug, our uh, engineer. Thanks to Adam, who will put the show together uh, once we're all said and done. And again, thank you, Mark Burrell, uh, our guest for this week, our wine expert. I've learned something. And you know what I've learned? What's that? I really like wine. <laughs> I really like wine. Cheers. Cheers, y'all. Cheers, man. Thank you. Sunshine